0: Hey everyone, welcome to New Hope Church Online. We are so excited that you joined us today. Due to some copyright issues, we are not able to show the movie series online, but we are going to do a replay of our series, Psalm 90. It was a very impactful series and I know God can use it in your life. But while you're here, we would love for you to follow us on all of our social media accounts and even subscribe to our YouTube channel that you're on right now. As always, we would love for you to put your prayer requests right there in the chat so we can pray with you this morning. All right. Thanks for joining us online. All right. First of all, how you doing? Awesome. 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 Uh, that announcement got me a little bit choked up, so just bear with me, but uh, uh, welcome everybody at our 288 campus, our Friendswood campus, our Alvin campus, our Webster campus, everybody that's joining us in our online campus as well. And uh, I want to add my voice to those who've already said it. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all of our moms in church today. If, um, if it wasn't for you, quite literally, we would not be here. We wouldn't be here. And, uh, but we are here, and, and uh, that is because you chose You chose life, and I want you to know that you are much appreciated and loved by this church family. I also want you to know this, and I think you need to hear this, that uh, God considers you of great value, and I say that in a time when it feels like womanhood and motherhood are being devalued in the world, and um, so much so that I've actually seen people that it's hard for them, maybe, I don't know, of their own doing, but it's like they can't even say the words woman or women or mom or mother, but instead choose uh, odd phrases like birthing people. And uh, I just want to tell you something. You don't have to put up with that nonsense here at New Hope Church because, because at this, Yeah. Because at this church, you, at this church, you are a woman. You are a mom. You are loved here, and uh, we think you're awesome. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So thank you, mom. So speaking of choosing life, let me let me say something. Uh, our church. If 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 you follow our church, if you've been a part of our church for a while, you know that uh, we believe that life is sacred from conception. Um, to its natural end, and that's why we have in our statement of beliefs, and it's on our website for the entire world to see, that uh, we believe that life is a gift from God that uh, should be protected, and that's because we believe that uh, God's word is very clear, that a baby is a human being, a baby is a human being, whether in the womb or out of the womb, it's a human being, it's not a clump of cells, it's not a parasite, and it's not a mistake, we believe that every baby uh, is a gift from God. Uh, every baby is fearfully and wonderfully made by the hand of God and the image of God, that every single baby has value and purpose. And I will say that for too long, our nation, I think, has done a bad job of protecting the most vulnerable and helpless among us, and, and uh, God have mercy on us for that. But uh, current news out of, the, out of the Supreme Court feels like a step in the right direction as governance is handed back to the states. But I'm gonna ask you to continue to pray that we do a better job of protecting the children. Amen? So if you were in church last week, you had homework. And, and I hate to bring it up, but I need to because I, I, I told you that there was gonna be a quiz today. And so if you would take out a piece of paper and a number two pencil at this time, <laughs> Yeah, didn't you hate when the teacher used to say that? I used to hate that in class when the teacher would say anything approaching that. Uh, but uh, but uh, uh, the good news is I'm only joking today. However, I'm not joking. What I say it would probably be very beneficial for you to read and contemplate these 17 verses in Psalm chapter 90. Uh, Psalm 90 was written by... Hey, here's a good quiz question right here. Psalm 90 was written by... Moses, very good, very good. Uh, the, the the high odds answer to that question would have been King David, but you answered correctly. Uh, you got a one out of uh, 150 chance of getting that right, but you were here last week, so it's 100% for everybody today. Uh, but Moses, Moses wrote this psalm, and obviously he was in deep thought when he wrote it because the waters of Psalm chapter 90 are deep. The subjects are weighty, but each verse leads us back to contemplate the moment that we are in, which is one of the the many reasons I've entitled this series, In This Moment. Now last week we looked at the eternality of God, uh, the eternal nature of God, and immediately we saw that God is bigger than any of us can wrap our minds around, and we saw that that's okay, that's okay. Even if we can't comprehend him completely, we still need to dig into his word, and we need to hear from him about himself so that we don't have some miniature, downsized version of a God who doesn't really exist, but we have the absolute perfect picture of a God, that one true God who's outside of time and yet is in every single moment with us. Now I'm going to read the text today. What I'm going to do is I'm going to begin where we were last week, and, and we were in verses one through four last week. And the reason I'm going to read those verses as well is because there's, there's some, uh, there are some purposeful overlapping of the subject matter. When Moses wrote this, he didn't write one subject, then another subject, then another subject. He overlapped the subjects a little bit, and uh, so I want to go back, and I want to read the first four verses, and and, uh, and and by the way, we can do this each week until week four, which I, at which time I'll read all 17 verses uh, together in church, and the reason that we can do this is because it doesn't take that long to read it. You would know that probably if you read it, right? And, uh And hopefully you did, but uh, it doesn't take that long to read it, but also because the subjects do overlap, and I want to pick up all of the verses, okay? So here we go. Uh, Last week, we were in verses 1 through 4. If you were here, you'll find these familiar, but then we're going to read down to verse 6, and we're going to skip down to verse 10, beginning verse 1. Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. Is that familiar to you if you were here last week? Lord, you've been our dwelling place. In all generations, it's been you. We've, we've been at home with you. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And that was the topic last week, uh, God's eternal nature. But those awe-inspiring first two verses are then followed up by verse three, which we read last week, but we didn't discuss. In verse three, Moses says, you return man to dust. And say, return, O children of man, and now you can kind of see how the subject matter overlaps because next verse he goes back to the subject of the eternal nature of God. He says, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is has passed, or as a watch in the night. And now we move on uh, to verse five, new territory here. You sweep them away as with a flood. Uh, sweep water away? Sweep the years away. Um, Human life is, uh, is short and is swept away, they're like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and it withers. Now staying with the same subject, the brevity of human life, we move down to verse 10. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. So immediately, if you're paying attention now, Moses goes from the subject of the eternal nature of God to the subject of the very temporary existence of a human life here on this earth. And now with those two subjects in our thoughts, let's look at some important takeaways from the text. and. Uh, um, takeaways I want to make sure that you see today and hopefully can comprehend, understand a little bit better. And, and if you're looking at your digital listening guide, you're going to see that the lead in line today for the three points is this, approach each moment with prayer because. So this is a, this is a sermon, this is a lesson about us just being in prayer each and every moment because three reasons from the text. Number one, life is short. Life is short. Has anyone noticed that time seems to pass very quickly? Yeah, now they say that the older you get, the more quickly it appears that time passes. When I was a kid, I can remember back to how time seemed to take forever. It seemed like the summer didn't seem like it was ever gonna end. It just went on forever and ever in the lazy haze of summer. Do y'all remember this? Like it just, wow, we've got forever. It's forever until school starts again and then I would get bored. I remember being bored. When I was a kid, and uh, there was one time in particular that I'm thinking of that I was looking for something. I was bored looking, bored, but looking for something. And I ended up looking under my bed because I thought it may have been stuffed with some other things under my bed. I climbed under my bed, and it must have been very comfortable because I fell asleep under my, halfway under my bed looking for something. I woke up, and I was like, what in the world is he, what am I doing here? And uh, I came out, I, I realized, oh, yeah, I was looking for that. And, and here's the deal about that. I was like, I just took an app. I took it. I took an app halfway under my bed, and, 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 and here's the joy of it. I didn't miss any meetings, you know? <laughs> no phone calls missed, you know, no harm, no foul. And, and, uh, but that's how it is when you're a kid. Now I could not get away with that. There would be uh, lots of trouble if that happened to me. But uh, I would love to be bored. How many of you would love to be bored this summer? A little bit, just for a couple of days at least. My kids then, well, you know, Jane and I have three uh, adult children now. But when they were growing up, every now and then, not often, but every now and then, they'd be like, What can I do? I'm so bored. And, and the only thing that could come, it would come into my head would be, Lucky, lucky. I, <laughs> I wish I was bored. Can we trade places for just a moment? But um, it's the way time goes. Time passes quickly. In fact, uh, pretty soon we'll be looking back at this summer. I mean, it'll be like that, right? We'll be looking back. Where did the summer go? Where did the year go? Where did the last decade go? Because time moves very quickly, time is short, and talking about time in general and the the length of a human life in particular, Moses wrote these words, he says, you sweep them away as with a flood, they're like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. And perhaps he was making reference, or at least thinking about it in his head, when the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea right here. And then when the uh, armies of Pharaoh tried to follow, they were swept away. Maybe that's part of this thinking right here. Uh, But they're like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. Now, if Moses wrote these words when a lot of people think that he wrote this psalm, then uh, this is near the end or at the end of the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness with the children of Israel, as they were going from Egypt to the promised land. So they were in slavery in Egypt, and uh, once released, they headed to the promised land. And, and if this is when Moses wrote this, like at the end of the 40 years that, of this wandering, then he has seen the brevity of human life firsthand, uh, possibly— A million times over. Now, I say that because if you're not familiar with the story, then I'm not, I can't, I don't have time to tell you the whole thing, but I will tell you this. It doesn't take 40 years to get from Egypt to the promised land. It does not take 40 years to get there. How do I know? I Googled it. (laughs) You can get from Cairo, Egypt, to Jerusalem in an hour and 25 minutes on an airplane, but they couldn't do that. They couldn't do that. Or if you drove it, Uh, It would be nine hours and 19 minutes if you drove from Cairo to Jerusalem. But just if you try this, this route includes tolls, so be ready for that. (laughs) Or you could go old school, and when I say old school, I mean Old Testament school, and walk it. If you walk it, it takes 148 hours to walk from Egypt to Jerusalem. Now, if you're not good at math. Uh, if you walk 10 hours a day, you could do it in about 15 days, okay? Uh, you say, that's too many too many hours to walk in a day. Let's do five, okay? Well, will take you a month. Take you a month. Let's do seven and a half hours a day. It would take you three weeks to walk from Egypt uh, to the Promised Land, to Jerusalem specifically. And, and if you do plan on doing this, please note that it, this route includes a ferry because God's not going to open up the Red Sea for you, more than likely, but... <laughs> The point here being is uh, it shouldn't take 42 years. It shouldn't take 40 years, but it took 42 years for them to make the trip. Now, why 42 years? Bible says 40. They wandered for 40. Why 42 years? Because when they left Egypt, they went over here, probably in this area to where it is believed Mount Sinai is on the other side of this uh, part of uh, the Red Sea that sticks up right here, over in this area, and they spent two years there. That's where they received the Ten Commandments. That's where the priesthood was established. That's probably where they did military training, because these people were formerly slaves and they had to, to learn how to live life out in, the, out in the world now, and so lots of training perhaps and organizing there, but they stayed there for two years, and then they traveled north to the promised land, although they did not go on the western side of the Dead Sea. They went on the eastern side of the Dead Sea, and we know this because they were going to cross right at the top of the Dead Sea, cross the Jordan River, right at the cross of the—across uh, right, right the, uh, the Jordan, right at the top of the Dead Sea. I can talk. I do it for a living. And right where Jericho is, that's where they were supposed to cross. But uh, they were on the one-yard line. They were, on the one, they were making it all the way from slavery in Egypt to the land that God was giving them. They were about to cross. God said, it's time. Go. And the people said, no. They said, we're not going to go. We're not going to go. They refused to cross the Jordan. So God sentenced them to 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Listen to me now until all the adults who had said no were dead. All the adults who said no were dead. And that was all the adults except, except for Moses and Joshua and Caleb. So all the adults, Israelite adults, dead. How many is that? Well, Exodus chapter 12 tells us that there were uh, six hundred. 1,000 men between the ages of 20 and 60 years old, or as they called it back in the day, men of fighting age. How many of you 59-year-olds are feeling pretty cool now? Uh, (laughs) So you double that number, double 600,000 to include the ladies, and now you're at 1.2 million, let's just add 300,000 to include anybody over the age of 60. So a rough estimate would be 1.5 million adults died in the wilderness. 1.5 million adults died in those 40 years, which means, if you want to do that math, over a hundred funerals every single day in the Israelite camp. Every day, the sound of funerals. The sound of mourning, uh, when, when Moses got up every day and maybe asked his assistant, what, what am I doing today? Oh, you got a funeral at 8.30, a funeral at 9, a funeral at 9.30, a funeral at 10, a funeral at 11. All day, every day, over 100 funerals for 40 years. Imagine being Moses and every one of your peers passing away. And you watching that, everybody you know, I've heard that one of the uh, the most difficult parts of getting older is watching your peers pass away, your friends pass away. And by the way, they always track who the oldest person is in the world. Have you seen this? Uh, It was recently uh, a lady who was 118 years old. I believe, I believe, I may be wrong, but I believe she was from Spain. They found another lady down in uh, Brazil Uh, Her birth certificate says she's 121 years old. 121 years old. Now, her mind isn't all there, so don't look for an interview. But what happens when they find the oldest person in the world, often they've done this, or they find uh, somebody that's over 100 celebrating their 100th birthday. Uh, The local camera crew goes and puts a microphone in their face, and and they say things like this. How did you do it? How do you? What's the secret? What's the secret? And the people obviously are not experts on longevity uh, because they'll say things like, I smoke a cigar every breakfast. That's what I do. That's why I live so long. (laughs) Keeps the germs away. Or I drink a pint of whiskey every day. Or I I watch the Wheel of Fortune, you know, really. (laughs) Every day. Again, not experts, not experts. But I think we could say that Moses was an expert. Moses, the Bible says, lived to be 120. And the Bible says his mind was sharp at 120. Sharp. And because his mind is sharp, he's seen things, he knows things, and he knows the frailty of the typical human body. And that's why he said in verse 10, the years of our life are seventy or even by reason of strength, 80, meaning if you're abnormally strong, you can live into your 80s. Now, obviously, with our modern medical advances, we can beat these numbers. That's the way it is nowadays, which is awesome. People are living longer, healthier lives and and beating the old odds that there used to be. But still, the end of life is a fact of life, and no matter how many salads we eat, By the way, if, it, if you, the length of your life was based on how many salads you ate, I should have been dead about 20 years ago. That's what I'm going to say right now. How many of you should have been gone by now? Okay. So, no matter how many salads we eat, no matter how much healthy food we eat, no matter how much we run every day, listen, you can't outrun the inevitable forever. Jesus' half-brother James wrote this in his letter entitled James. This is chapter 4. He says, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Now, I don't want to waste time talking about how we don't have a lot of time. Uh, That doesn't make sense, first of all. And also, I think you get it. Do you get it? We don't have a long time on this earth. Do you get that? Okay, so I know you get it. I also know that there's probably not one person in church today who would rent an event venue there's not one person in church today who would go to a vacation destination, and probably most of us, if we're trying out a new restaurant, you would not go to the new restaurant without what? Reading the reviews. Reading the reviews. Why? Because we don't want to get there and waste our time or waste our money. And if we would do that for a restaurant, if we would do that for a restaurant, that I believe it makes perfect sense. That since this life is short, and we want to make the best of it, that we stay in touch with the one who has unlimited knowledge, the one who can see all, that we depend on him in each and every moment. Listen to me. We get one shot at this life. You get one shot at this human life. If we want to make the most of our time, we—this would be a good place for an amen right here. Just saying. Just saying. If we're going to make the best of this life, we need God. Amen. Amen. Secondly, if you're taking notes, approach each moment with prayer because life is difficult. Life is difficult. And if you... Uh, probably a lot of us know that. Uh, probably just, just a poll. How many of you know life can be very difficult at times? Anybody know that? Okay. I've come to believe that personally myself now. And, and, uh, and those of you who raise your hand, I know that you know it as well. And the truth is that Jesus promised us in the word, in the Bible, that in this world we would have trouble. That was a promise of Jesus. In this world you will have trouble. So the sooner we understand that, the better off we're going to be when that day of trouble comes. And because life is difficult, I think it's especially important that we approach each moment with prayer. Each day, each moment, approach it with prayer. Back to verse 10, one last time here. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. Their span is but toil and trouble. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, that's not what I signed up for. I didn't sign up for the toil and trouble part. You don't have to sign up. It's just part of life on this planet. We live on a fallen planet. And uh, so things happen that are not always good. And sometimes those things happen to us. And it's just part of life. And it sounds like very bad news, but really there's good news just tucked under the surface here. And the good news is this. uh, Life is hard, but God is good. Life is hard, but God is good. And actually the bad times that we go through, Help us to see more clearly the goodness of God. But still we should pray. James James chapter 5 verse 13 uh, says this, Is any among you suffering? Let them pray. Let them pray. And I mentioned to you last week that having an eternal God, watch over our lives is a blessing beyond what we can comprehend. Let me just try to go down that trail just a little bit further to explain what I was meaning by that. This is just a graph, and and uh, if you did okay in in uh, elementary school math, and you will recognize that if there is a straight line and there's an arrow on each end of the line, that means it goes on for infinity, right? It goes on forever and ever. And this would be represent, a representation of our God who is from everlasting to everlasting. Am I making sense so far? Uh, we are not. We are not everlasting. We have a beginning now with, with Christ. We don't have an end. Okay? Uh, we go on with eternal life. But uh, we, he is outside of time. He's everywhere all at once. What's happening to us is we are sort of in the molasses of time. We are stuck in each moment, and I'm so glad and so proud of you that you used this moment to be in God's house today, but this is a moment. You're not somewhere else right now. You're you're in church right now. You're in God's house, but then there will be another moment where you're somewhere else, and that's what we do. We just move from moment to moment to moment, and we can only see the moment that we're in. We can remember the past. We can look forward to the future, but we can only really, really see the moment that we're in. That's our human existence. We are in time. Again, God is not. God is not stuck in time. He's all through time all at once. He sees uh, he sees us in our mother's womb. He sees the moment that we're born. He sees us growing up, going to school on the first day of school. He sees us when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and our sins are removed. He sees us right now in this moment. He sees the day of our passing when we Uh, move from this life to the next, and he sees it all, and here's the the game changer. He sees it all in a glance because he is not caught in time as we are. Again, we can only see the moment. We cannot rewind. We cannot fast forward, but that's okay because we have a God who's taking care of our past, who's perfecting our future, and who's with us right now. Now let, let me explain. Let's explain it this way. If we have a, <clears throat> a difficult day, let's say, and I'll let you fill in the blank in your mind what that difficult day may be like, but let's just say it's very difficult, and you run into some difficult times, and you're hard-pressed to continue on in your own strength, and, and uh, we need that. Let's just say it's a situation. We need a resolve. We need an answer, and, and we can pray about it, but maybe sometimes it feels like it's too late to pray. It's too late to pray. And I say that because here's the day when it, when it really hits us, but really this is an issue that started back here. And this is an issue that if we want it to be different now, things have to change back then. Like the resources or the people that, that would help to provide the answer now, that would have to start back here. And 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 for for it to be available to us now. And there are some very logical people who say, well, if that's the truth, then we might as well not pray because it's too late to pray. However, let me remind you, we have a God who's not only in this moment with us, he's in all moments at the same time. And we have a God who can do what only He can do, which is which is in His sovereignty. He can arrange the events. Of the past, the people, the resources, the means to provide an answer at the exact moment of His choosing. Which is wild to me that God is preparing the answer for our prayer before we pray. God is preparing the answer for our prayer. In fact, God, if this goes back like real far, like years and years and years, he's, he's preparing the answer for our issue before we had the issue, before we knew we had the issue, and long before we prayed about the issue. You say, you got a scripture for that, Pastor? I sure do. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verse eight, Jesus says, your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask him. God already knows, so ask him. Which leads me to say it's never too late to pray because we have a God who's not bound by time or space and he can arrange the people, the events, the circumstances, the resources to come together perfectly at a time of his choosing for our good and for his glory. He sets in motion the answers to our prayer before we pray the prayer. So what do we do? Pray the prayer. Pray, but but I think it might be too late. Pray the prayer. But I don't know how God could pray the prayer, pray the prayer and believe in a God who is bigger than you. Believe in a God whose ways are higher than your ways and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. A God who is not bound by time and space as we are and a God who wants to take our circumstances and make them work together for our good and for his glory. Will he hear us? Absolutely, 1 John chapter five says, and we have this confidence that, we, that uh, we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, God's gonna hear us. The other day, my wife was talking to me and somehow she could tell I wasn't listening and, and uh, <laughs> let me put an addendum on that fully. I wasn't fully listening. And uh, she said, did you hear me? And, and and I said, yes. And I heard you. And and, and, and normally, you know, and, and she said, okay, what did I say? And, and, and normally I would come up with like a phrase or something that she said to like throw her off my trail. But <laughs> on this particular day, I just instead went straight, instead of trying to repeat what she said to me, I just went straight to asking for forgiveness. But let me tell you something about God. God is never like that. He's never, he never like that. God is. And this is good news for all of us today. God is never distracted. He's never not paying attention. You actually have a hundred percent of God's focus in this moment. And I know there's some people that are like, God is busy. I don't want to bother God. Listen, even Even if a billion people cried out to God in the same second, he would not be overwhelmed. He would hear each voice individually because God isn't affected by time. In fact, remember, he's outside of time. He's here, he's everywhere, all at the same time. We're stuck moment by moment by moment, which means we're trying to get things done. We're trying to get over there. We're trying to pick this up. We're trying to get this project done. We're trying in, in, in the flow of time. We're trying to do things. God's not caught in that moment by moment flow of time. God has no limits. We're limited by time and space. God has no limits. You glad God has no limits? God has no limits, which is why having a God who is for us and with us, as we sang just a bit ago, and a God who's outside of time is a blessing beyond our comprehension. Life is hard. So what do we do? We pray harder, we pray harder. Then one more. Approach each moment with prayer because life is precious. Life is precious. Now there are two schools of thought when you say life is short, and one of them says, well, life is short, so it doesn't really matter. Doesn't really matter what you do, because we're gone pretty, pretty soon. In fact, if you look in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32, the apostle Paul is talking about that argument that some people make that life is short, it doesn't really matter. And uh, he quotes what people would say back in the day, eat and drink for tomorrow we die. You know, just live it up. It doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. And we, Hopefully we know that that's not what the Bible teaches and that's not how a Christ follower should live. Instead, our mindset should be life is short so every moment is precious. Every moment is precious. Which leads me to say when it comes to your family and your friends and the people that God has put around you in this life, be in the moment with them. Don't miss the present because you are Consumed with the future or because you're haunted by the past. Be in the moment. Every moment is a gift from God that we get in this life. Every moment is a gift. And it's especially a gift when we're with our loved ones or the people that God has brought to us to maybe make an impact. Life is precious. It's precious. But what happens when life comes to an end? Well, Moses seems to give two very different answers in, in, the, in his, this text. In verse 3, he says, you return man to dust and say, oh, return, uh, return, O children of man. So dust, is that our destiny? Dust is our, is dust, dust our destiny. Um, well, and why would he even say that? Well, because that's where he came from. Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, when God made Adam, the Bible says he made him out of dirt. He made him out of the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life. And so when our bodies are done, ultimately, once enough time passes, our bodies turn back to dust, unrecognizable from the dirt that we are buried in. The human body is very temporary, and dust is the ultimate destination for our bodies. But that's not all Moses says about the end of our days here on this earth. In verse 10... Remember the verse, 70 or 80 days we or 80 years we have uh, on this earth, their span is but toil and trouble, and uh, they are soon gone, and we do what? Fly away. So, wait, 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 wait. You're dust. He said that in verse 3. Now in verse 10, we fly away. (laughs) So, which is it, Moses? What What are you trying to tell us? Well, answer is, our bodies return to dust, but our soul is eternal. And every human being is given a soul. When life begins, you're given a soul. And that soul accompanies your body through all the days of your life. Listen to me, we are are not a soul with a body, we are a body, We we are a soul with a body. We're not a body with a soul, we're a soul with a body. And at the end of our lives, when our body finally gives out, our soul lives on. And that phrase, we fly away, is a, is, a, is an indication of what the New Testament would give us in vivid color, that uh, because of Jesus and his resurrection, and you can read all about it in First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, because of his resurrection that we too will resurrect, that someday if we are followers of Jesus Christ and we've our belief in him, that someday when our body quits, Our soul will be reunited with God. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When that day comes, we get to spend eternity with our everlasting God in his presence. And amazingly, what determines whether this happens or not happens in a moment. And I say that because the Bible tells us, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And so, the moment that you make the decision that you are gonna give your life to God, you're gonna accept what Jesus did for you, that's a moment that changes where that arrow of eternity points for you. And uh, it can point to heaven in God's presence forever and ever through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you get that gift of eternal life with him. And if you've not made that decision, I would urge you and encourage you to do so today. And at all of our campuses, there will be prayer partners down at the front. If you want to recommit, if you want to talk to someone about making that decision today, come and see them before you go. Or if you need prayer for anything, come on down. Love you guys so much. Would you stand with me, please? Let me pray for you before I let you go. And and, and one more time, happy Mother's Day, moms. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your love for us, for your concern. Thank you that uh, you are not bound by time or space, but you love us so much that you will enter into every moment on our behalf. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for your love, your grace, your salvation, your forgiveness in this moment, Lord. I pray this in your son's name. And all the people said, God bless, guys. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to follow, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.